Welcome to No Player Connected, where we hop into your favorite games and then don't play them. But we will talk about them, among other things. I'm your host, Professor Jam, and today's guest for our inaugural episode is an old friend of mine, an accomplished graphic designer, self-published author, and FPS and horror aficionado, Mullet Wesker. Yeah, I don't think anyone's ever um, spoken that highly of me. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, no problem. Uh, and for the for the folks wondering what that noise is beneath us, um, we are in the video game Hunt Showdown. He's our bodyguard. He's our bodyguard. <laughs> I, th- I think we might have to move, No, dude. we have to commit this to this. so... It's we so have to commit loud. to this. All right, well... For those of you that don't know, you can't tell, um, we are in the video game Hunt Showdown. Um, Hunt Showdown is an FPS featuring PvP and PvE elements developed by Crytek and was released all the way back in 2018. Dude, get your head down. Get your head down. Um, It takes place in a Louisiana bayou and features monstrosities of corrupted flesh as well as the most dangerous game of all. People who love permadeath mechanics. Underneath our little uh, tower that we're hiding in is one such disgusting monstrosity. Those rumblings will be here either the entire episode until another player kills it or we get killed. So enjoy that. Uh, Mullet, I have a few topics to discuss with you today. I'm ready, boss. All right, I can tell you're ready because you're also peering out the Yeah, it's going to be really hard for me to resist shooting people, but I'll do my best. Yeah, and for for folks that might be new to this podcast, and you're all going to be new since this is the first episode, we are just hanging out in the video game, but we are not playing it, really. We're not doing any gameplay, unless we get jumped. You probably can hear some gunshots in the background, some grunts, some screams. We're just living in the moment. But uh, Mullet, I wanted to ask you, just to kick things off. Dramatic noise. What kind of person, what kind of person would you recommend Hunt Showdown to? So, that's a fun question, because Hunt Showdown has a huge learning curve. I think you and I can both agree. This was the first game of its type I've played where it's an extraction-based shooter at its core, which means, you know, you gear up, you go in, usually with either a group or by yourself, and there's a goal to accomplish, players to kill, enemies to fight, loot to find, whatever. But then you have to successfully extract. And there's a lot of prep, there's a lot of work, and there's a lot of loss if you die. So the stakes are high, and this is nothing like a Call of Duty or a Halo, or I think what most people call them arena shooters. So I guess if you're tired of stuff like arena shooters where it's just you spawn in, you jump in, you kill a bunch of people, you die, you respawn, and it's the first team to 50 kills wins. If that's boring to you now, I would say Hunt Showdown is certainly a type of game that, you know, it's going to flex your you're going to have to flex your brain playing it and your reflexes. But for Hunt specifically, if you love cowboy times if you love the 1900s if you love (laughs) if you love old guns that shoot slow and reload slow and and are very loud and you love horror stuff that's what this game is because in the bayou here when you load into a match there are zombies there's zombie dogs there's other monsters you've got like this horror theme on this old school setting but within that is a reflex and knowledge based looter shooter i guess 
Maybe not. Maybe not too much on the loot part. You you crammed a lot in there. Um, I do I do I do kind of want to pick that apart because pick it when I try to compare Hunt Showdown to something else or I try to like describe it to people, I always latch onto the and this might make you mad. Um, I always call it a battle royale rather than the extraction shooter thing. But I think extraction shooter is actually a better description. Mm-hmm. But I always say battle royale because it naturally corrals you to central locations since you're... I don't know if you had covered it in your description there. We are fighting over a central bounty or goal. You have to kill these boss monsters and then extract with a token that signifies like, hey, you killed this thing. Mm -hmm. And so it's not as direct as Fortnite or Warzone with Call of Duty where like it literally corrals you into a circle. But you are naturally like push together to fight other people. Um, but I do think it is closer, if you look at the DNA of Hunt Showdown, that it's more of a... You'd know more than me since you've been playing Tarkov nonstop. Would you say this is closer to Tarkov, or would you say it's closer to Warzone or similar Battle Royales? You know, it's kind of hard to say it leans one way or the other because it is an extraction-based shooter, but I agree with you that the game has Battle Royale elements. You don't come in naked. You have a loadout, but you can, you know it's a battle royale esque map where there's a bunch of compounds that all connect to each other in organic ways. And the more you know about the game, the more you can guesstimate which way teams are going to gravitate to set up ambushes and cut people off and follow them. I think I think Hunt has a little bit from both sides, but more so I guess if I have to pick a direction, more so the the Tarkov esque open world extraction games. If you if you made like a gradient with like Tarkov on the far end of it and then Fortnite with its cheerful colors and those are the extremes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, those are like the the two extremes like Hunt would be like at the 55-60% mark really? if 100 is Tarkov. It's like in the middle leaning Tarkov. Honestly, I I think I would agree with you. When I first started playing this game, I thought like, damn, this is hardcore. That I will say the gunplay rules. Like I love how, how tight the gunplay is. I love how fights give you a chance to breathe and actually like strategize. Mm -hmm. But the more I've played it and the more I've seen people sprinting out in the open with bayonets or cavalry sabers... The more special ammo types they've added where someone's shooting me in the head with, like, fire ammo. The more I've realized that, yeah, it's still kind of an arcade shooter. It's pretty far from a from a mill sim, if we're going to use that terminology. Yeah, the game's definitely not a simulator. Especially after playing something like Tarkov, this game doesn't have momentum-based movements. It doesn't have a unique health system. I mean, you know, in Tarkov, your limb blacks out. It goes to zero. You aim worse and you have to heal the arm specifically hunts not like that you have a health bar split into chunks and your healing items heal varying amounts back to full you know but i do like that there are mechanics to like bring you back to life we are um, being interrupted it seems like we're, yeah um there may be some uh some scary noises in the background do i have I to wait to fire just, back yeah just keep your head down they won't okay. shoot at us anymore okay um <laughs> what would you say this <laughs> While we're getting shot at. Oh, what would you say is Hunt Showdown's greatest strength, Mullet? Hunt Showdown's greatest strength? It's gunplay, hands down. When you finally get the hang of it, and you are in a gunfight, and you're killing two, three, four, five players all by yourself, 
it feels so incredibly fucking good. Just the, the scoping in, the ADSing, the ability to fan your pistol like a cowboy. That's the that's the best part to me. Like I've so I have over two thousand hours in the game, and I got Same. a little tired of it, which is why I've been playing Tarkov. But the one thing that keeps me energized is I want to get into PvP and have awesome gun battles. Because when I first started playing Hunt, I was like, we got to be quiet. We got to be stealthy. We got to ambush people. Yes. And I still will do that if the opportunity presents itself. But I'd much rather run headlong towards that gun battle and then try to flank my way in and get involved instead of Absolutely. avoid it entirely. Yeah, like, and, and I wholeheartedly agree. Like, the... The gunplay in this game, like I said earlier, it gives you a chance to like think because of the slower rate of fire. In Call of Duty or, or other games where shit's just zipping around really fast, Apex Legends is another one. I feel like it's mostly reflexes, map knowledge. Um, you empty your magazine into somebody in like half a second. In this game, you fire once, take a full second to reload your single shot rifle and then you get ready for another shot. Um, you can lay traps for people. I think it, it makes you more mindful. I, I think if you try to go on autopilot while playing Hunt Showdown, it's just not gonna work. Nope, um, I agree 100%. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've been able to turn my brain off and play Call of Duty, play Halo, but Hunt's got enough of a engaging format when it comes to actually fighting other players. And you have to be mindful of, you know, where you're going on the map. There's also the stakes involved. You do have permadeath that it just kind of demands that you give it some attention. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So for those who don't know, you have a level to your hunter from 1 to 50. And as you gain experience in each match, you have upgrade points, which you spend on traits. And these traits allow you to loot more items or get revived by your teammate with a minimum amount of health and stuff like that. So a level 50 hunter is going to be better at surviving as long as the player knows how to use the traits they've picked. And if you are a solo and die or your whole team gets wiped out, everybody's hunters are gone. So all those traits are gone. All the equipment is gone. And if you have a bunch of money back in the lobby screen, you can buy your gear back if you're a high enough level to have the gear available to you. And so there is a little bit of gear fear, and there's a little bit of hunter loss fear. But I don't think it's so bad that you're going to be like, well, shit, I guess I have to stop playing the game now. All right. I just had to blow that thing up. So I can't I can't concentrate with it. You know, I, I just have to say, because of this game, I was anticipating that bomb getting us through the floor and ending this early. <laughs> that would be pretty good. Well, I was going to say, uh, speaking of shrapnel coming through the floor and killing you uh, at inopportune times, um, I think we've we've given Hunt Showdown its, its grace. Uh, we've been talking about it for 10 minutes now, and we've given it mild praise. It's time to rip into it. What would you consider its greatest weakness, Mullet? The greatest weakness. So uh, this, has, this answer has changed over these 2,000 hours. Um... <laughs> I want to say it's learning curve, but I have to give it to Crytek in that they have a training mode, they have tooltips and pop-ups and hints, so the game doesn't completely let you jump into it blind, unlike other games I've played with extreme learning curves. I mean, new player onboarding is rough, and they would probably have better retention if it was even better than it is. So that's my first thought. My other thought was, I don't know how well CryEngine 
handles multiplayer games, because this is a Crytek game, it is on CryEngine, and for a long time, there were lots of server problems, there was lots of disconnections, there was lots of desync, your character would rubber band, not because of your internet connection, but because you tried to jump over a rock that was two pixels larger than you thought, but they've mostly fixed some of that. So, I don't know, that's, that's the first two places my mind goes. Okay, so player onboarding, and then just the, the rubber banding, the occasional... Physical physical tearing of our universe. The physical temporal, tearing of our universe as we know it. Yeah. I'll, gi- I'll give you one more quick one. Um, trades is probably what annoys me the most in this game. And what I mean by trades is, for those that are uninitiated, when you and another player fire at each other, and you both hit each other, and both shots do enough damage to kill you both, it can be satisfying to be faster than the other guy and down him in a split second before he shoots you, but... Sometimes, whether it's CryEngine or whether it's your internet connection or ping or the servers or whatever, you'll shoot a guy, you'll get the hit marker, you'll hear him die, he'll fall down, you'll turn and go right to preemptively get out of the way of that bullet, and then you'll die. And it's like, ah, you know, is that the way the game is meant to function, or is there something wrong happening here? Well, see, and that's the, that's the infuriating part sometimes, is I know in real life, as I'm sure most listeners have experienced, when you're in a gunfight with somebody... And you're dying, but yeah. you're you're pulling the trigger as you die. Yes, technically that gun is going to go off, but should it go off like perfectly aligned to where it was being aimed a second ago? I I watched a friend of mine, and this was probably the worst, most egregious example of this. He saved a highlight where he killed somebody in this game, and then the the thing popped up on his screen to swap weapons. Like the game had registered his opponent as dead. They're very close to each other in order for this to happen. So the pop-up shows up. Okay, the gun is on the ground. And then it went off and bloomed a kingdom hell. He died. So, so <laughs> he, he killed his opponent and was close enough to swap weapons with the dead guy. Yes. And yes. then he and fell the, over dead. Yeah, and and yep. it happened so fast that he wasn't obviously wasn't going to have a chance to pick up the weapon. But it was a few frames of... The game has officially acknowledged that person is dead, and now their gun is going to go off inside your head, and now you're dead. Yep. So, I'm trying to think of any complaints I would have. I'm a I'm a very loyal Crytek fan. I've never complained about this game once in my life. But if I had to, you know, get in the mindset of someone who also has played 2,000 hours and will occasionally beat the hell out of his desk while playing this game. Uh, I would say that the rubber banding still occasionally happens. Um, Over the years, I feel like what you can mantle on, what you can sprint over, what can you jump over, that line has kind of blurred a little bit. And I feel like there's a decrease in quality when it comes to mobility. I don't know if you'd agree with that. I would actually say the mobility has gotten better. There's still some unknowns, like when you're trying to climb rocks or grass hills where the geometry is much more natural, you know? Uh, It's not like stairs or hopping over a railing. So there is some of that for sure. The issue I've had is once you once you play a lot, you want to get fancy with your gameplay and you want to do goofy, cool shit. And so I want to jump near the railing, but... Crytek put a gravitational well inside of the railing, so when I jump, my body goes helplessly flinging over the side of it. And so it's just little things like that that, uh, that get my goat. But are you are I, you talking about accidental vaulting? Yes, yes. Ah, I fixed that. <laughs> 
Um, but I, I, I do have a few other complaints. There's, uh, there's a few places where the lighting is really goofy. There's an underground area in the first map. I want to say it's Healing, Healing Waters Church. Healing Waters Church. Yep. Yeah, yeah. You go in the basement and there's just a mysterious fog. A bright fog if you stand in a certain place, which, you know, it's the 1800s. Maybe that's just what sunlight used to do. But it, it's little things like that where I'm like, Crytek, you could probably fix this. Unless it's like a load-bearing fog. Like they take out the fog and the whole game breaks. I mean, maybe if we're talking about Turok on the N64. Is that a thing? Oh, yeah. I mean, that game is so old that the fog is actually just the hidden method of loading the level as you move through it. Oh, well, that, that actually makes sense. Like, that, like literally load-bearing fog because yeah. it's hiding the game from popping in in front of you. <laughs> Somehow, I doubt that's what Crytek's doing. Um, oh, we have neighbors. I think it's, I think it's just their, their evil, evil intentions to frustrate me. We do. There are people banishing near us. Yeah, that's funny. So, for the people listening, we're in a tower that was near a boss, and the people saw us in this tower and fired at us, and they actually ran away. They probably thought we were, like, pro-campers. And <laughs> now we have new neighbors, and, uh, yeah, enjoy the shooting. All right, not to, not to continue the negative, but to but somewhat to continue, continue the, the negative. Yeah, yeah, to continue the negative, because I'm a, I'm a hater. God, and you can tell I was really unbiased the way I phrased this question. And <laughs> after this one, we can, we can, we can shift it more on you, Mullet. It doesn't all have to be us uh, trashing Crytek, but sure. Um, again, unbiased. But which broken Crytek promise has hurt you the most, personally, on an do emotional you, level? Do you happen to have a list of these broken promises? Because there's one that I can think of from a long time ago on the roadmap, but that's about it. Well, I want to hear yours without me reminding you, and then you can, you can, okay. I'll give you so, the list. I'm pretty sure by hearing through partnered Crytek streamers and by looking at the roadmap once upon a time on their website, that we were going to have a 2D map replay feature. And the whole purpose of this is to see at the end of your game, so when you're at no position to use it for getting an advantage, you could see where every team spawned, where every player went, where the bosses were, and hopefully this would still uh this would allow you to understand why players go to the compounds they go to what were they doing there because sometimes you'll get sniped by a guy in a location that to you are are like why would you be out there the boss is in the complete opposite direction and it's like well maybe the guy's out there sniping because he doesn't expect anyone to find him out here of course he's going to be where the boss isn't right but there's, this, there's all these moments in this game that can happen because it's an open-world uh, battle royale where players can ignore the objectives that are made to kind of encourage PvP, and you can get some really frustrating ambushes and losses. And I really wanted that map to just better learn why do people go where they do and, and stuff. So you say, you say two-dimensional map, which I think is reasonable. I was just recently playing Dread Hunger, which I don't think has had nearly the amount of support as this game and they have a two-dimensional map that has timestamps, player ah. interactions all that happy shit um i think something like that for hunt showdown would be lovely i would have went a, a step further because i'm i'm demanding and again this is lost technology i'm sure they'll never be able to replicate it but do you remember halo 3 having theater mode yeah where you could just fly <laughs> around the map yeah um why can't we have that anymore 
Like that seems like such a such an excellent tool, not only for players to see, you know, how did I get ambushed? What happened this game? What happened to that guy that I shot at um, forever ago? I feel like something like that should be almost mandatory in modern day FPSs. I don't, I don't know. I figured way back when, when I was playing Halo Three and I was sucking on my thumb, that was just the way of the future, and it's it's not in here. So I have some theories on why features like that are not in modern games much anymore. Um, I think we can all agree that video games take even more work and are more expensive and demanding by the developers than they were in the past. You're being so reasonable right now. I'm, I'm trying. I always try <laughs> to do that. Uh, unless I'm streaming, then I start to get real unreasonable real fast, as you know sometimes. Um, but so, in Hunt, when you die, there's a kill cam that shows you the angle of the other person's weapon to you. But it doesn't show that person's body and your body, right? It's not like a photograph, it's just like an angle. Yeah, when you say kill cam, you really are thinking more in the 1800s sense of the word camera, where it's just a still image though. Like we don't get the, the cool countdown like Call of Duty, like two seconds until this person shoots you in the head. Right, it doesn't, it doesn't rewind five seconds from the enemy's point of view as they round the corner and gun you down. It's just, here's the bullet flying to you, and here's the bullet as it flew to you from, from your point of view and their point of view, right? I don't know how much stress that puts on Crytek servers just to record that kind of data. So how much more stress or work would it be to give every player the option to have like a fly around spectator camera after their team has been wiped? I don't know. It might be easy. It might also be a restriction from upper management like, hey, that's not going to bring more players into the game to buy it and buy cosmetics, so don't waste your time on it. I don't know. Whoa, who, who said anything be... about cosmetics, Mullet? When, uh, where did those I, come I from? I did, in fact, because, I mean, as soon as we said this game was in the Battle Royale genre, I think everyone knew, ah, cosmetics are in Hunt Show. Yeah, yeah. Which, honestly, I think they should just rip the Band-Aid off, go free-to-play. Now, this is me going off script. This I was agree not with planned, you, but... for the record. I think they should just rip the Band-Aid off and have it go free to play give the people who paid for this game five years ago some sort of in-game currency to to give them some recompense but then yeah just just embrace the battle pass they've been flirting with it for a while um with the recent events and so i i do think that the player base is not growing very quickly um and oh, they seem stagnating. to be they, yeah they seem to be content with cranking out skins for the game so why not just embrace that model and do the battle pass, put the skins in it, bada bing, bada boom. That, that's one of my biggest gripes with the game is they don't seem intent on pursuing new players for this so, game. So uh, are, we, are we going off rails right now? Because I have, I have an we can to this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there, were, there were never rails per se, mm -hmm. just little, little just guidelines. signposts. More yeah, like guidelines, guidelines, you would say. Yeah, guidelines. All right, so you were going off the rails. Uh, sorry, folks, if this is an abrupt cut. The match ended when all the bounties in a Hunt Showdown match leave the map. We have five minutes to get out of there. So Mullet was about to get really political and go off the rails. So Mullet, uh, go ahead. Yes, as I was saying, so it's been somewhat of a popular 
theory, I think, amongst the community that Hunt Showdown is at some point going to go free-to-play, and there's a few reasons why we think this. Number one, they have events all throughout the year, some seasonal, some based around lore in the game, and they've started introducing battle passes for these events. Yes. So there's a battle pass, level 1 through 50, you do stuff in the game, you get points, you get cosmetics, you get in-game weapons, you get charms to put on your weapons, and there's a premium version that you can buy with in-game currency to get more stuff, and at this point, the game is... Is it? It's five years old now. I think they just had their five, uh, fifth year anniversary. So the game has loads of cosmetics from the last five years. And the game itself is not selling much more, I don't think, because the devs actually had a dev stream where they explained that their premium currency, the Blood Bonds, they actually give those away while you play the game very slowly. Or you could just buy them like in any other game that sells you a package of premium currency in different amounts and they've said that they give away i think it was for every 10 blood bonds they they give away they only sell one and they specifically said that one day hunt will sell its final copy and after that day the only way they're going to continue to make money off the game is through in-game purchases so they have to keep making cosmetics and they have to keep making people want to buy the blood bonds but they specifically said they're going to raise the price of the Blood Bonds and they're going to reduce the number they give away through just playing the game. I believe that's what they said. It, this was months ago, this dev stream. And I'm like, okay, if your servers can handle it, you can make the game free to play. You can still drip feed Blood Bonds to people and just keep pumping out cosmetics because for those who don't know, they make cosmetics regardless of the issues plaguing the game, regardless of what they've fixed or what they're unaware of or aware of. I mean, I in my Discord, there's an automated bot that reposts every Crytek post, and I it's every every it. month new I cosmetic. Hate your bot. I'm just yeah, gonna yeah, tell I've, you. I've I've been thinking about turning it off because because yeah. I I'm expecting like oh update maybe something once cool. upon a time I was excited yeah, yeah updates and it's like here's this cool new skin and hats off to the artists at Crytek because they make some bomb ass cosmetic skins that are very fitting for this horror-themed cowboy game. Like, awesome artwork that I don't mind paying for, but at the same time, it's like, oh, really? That's your third cosmetic pack, and there's still a reload bug in the game. There's a bug where people can turn invisible if they're on a ladder a certain way. Anyway, uh, here's this cool-looking... And, and you're right. Like, right. the skins are very cool. Um, I, I do appreciate the work that the people who make the skins put into this game. Yeah. Um, I am I'm worried, going back a little bit to what you said about their concerns about, you know, being Making, able to... Continuing to make money. Yeah, yeah, because I think they're, they're going to put themselves in a cycle here where they're taking what few resources they have for Hunt Showdown, and they're putting them towards things that just squeeze more money out of the few people, the dwindling number of people that are sticking around. Here's the thing that gets me labeled a, a heretic on Twitter for. If I even breathe the words team deathmatch in, <laughs> in the most hushed tones. I get because we, we talked about how the gunplay is really slow, methodical. This is a game where you stalk people, you can hear audio cues, you can kind of shadow their movements and, and use your brain quite a bit. And I do think that Team Deathmatch might take a bit of that away. And I've heard people say also, oh, you can't split the player base. There's not enough players. I think if you put in Team Deathmatch as a way to test out guns, have a low risk space where people can play with their friends, play against their friends, 
it's so private it's, lobbies. It's such a okay. We're we're getting there. We're getting there. We're getting into the meat <laughs> of this now. We're getting into the meat. We're hitting our stride. It's such a rare delicacy to be able to fight your friends in this game. Other games. Halo, uh, Call of Duty, absolutely. Those games, you can go and you can shit on your friends. You can kill your friends in a video game, in Minecraft. Um, But in this game, unless you're like trying really hard to queue up together, you don't have that that chance to compete against your friends. And I'd really like that. I think that would draw more people in. The prospect of, you know, buying this with your buddies and then just playing it one afternoon just with each other. I don't know how you would separate that since matches are kind of set up to incentivize you to win where like you get money for it. And I don't know how that would interact with custom lobbies, like you said, or team deathmatch, but I I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on that? How you could make that mesh with the game? So I think the easiest way to do that is I don't think you need to make a team deathmatch mode so much as you do just need to make private lobbies six, you know, uh, not 6v6, I'm sorry, uh, up to 12 players, and then you can delegate teams however way you want. It's a private lobby, right? And in a game like this where your gear comes from what you're able to buy and it's based on your level, how do you how do you deal with gear then in a no-stakes private lobby game? Well, one, there's no XP game. It's your friends, you know? Two, make all of the gear that is available to you at your level free to you in the private lobbies slash the team deathmatch mode, you know? So you can't bring an aftermat if you're not level 89 or whatever it is, but that's that's fine. And I think that would, it would open the door to less of a steep learning curve because you and me and the new guy can just come in and we can walk him around the maps and we can tell him how to deal with the AI. And maybe we, maybe you can turn on AI hunters or something, even though those aren't in the game currently in any form, so people can warm up. Because I actually quit this game within like 10 hours. Monkey, our friend Monkey, got me into this and I was so goddamn frustrated because it was the first game of its kind I've ever played. I would be crouch walking, I would be silent, and I would get headshot and I don't know where from. And I'm like, I quit, this game is stupid. And I tried to refund it on Steam couldn't because I was way past my two hour limit. <laughs> so I eventually watched a video on YouTube by SkillUp, who is a reviewer who played it, and I he made like a little guide for it, and I'm like, okay, I was playing this game completely wrong, and I jumped back into it, and now Crytek got 1,900 more hours out of me, and probably like 150 bucks after all the cosmetics. So there's um there's definitely a lot of frustration that can be eased with private lobbies, yes. both as an onboarding thing and as a gives players more stuff to do kind of thing. Just to address the new player thing, and then I, I really want to dig into the private lobby thing some more. I've introduced this game. I've bought this game for, I want to say, four or five people. I have... Mm-hmm. I've probably purchased five copies of this game besides my own for other people. That's how much I've enjoyed this game. I've wanted to share this game with other people. But I can think of at least two or three friends that I've introduced the game to that I think the learning curve was a bit too much. I've had one friend who, similar to you, just kind of discredited the game, was like, uh, I, don't, I don't like this, um, and then left it, and then came back later. and and played the shit out of it. Actually, two friends, two of my friends have done that. And so I think you're right that that can be a a good way of giving people a chance to acclimate themselves to it. Because I know we don't have the only people who've done that, the only friends that have done that. I'm sure that's a common issue. I've also bought it for people, and I can't think of anyone who I still play with regularly 
who wasn't already into the game before I got them into it. The private lobbies thing, giving us more things to do. Um, I hate to keep bringing it back to this ancient, ancient game with arcane technologies lost to time, uh, like Roman concrete. But Halo 3, <laughs> I don't know how much of a Halo 3 kid you were, but... Oh, dude, it was all I played when I was 15 or 16. Like, yeah. The custom games gave you so much freedom. Um, I don't know if you ever played the Michael Myers thing where someone would play um, the Halloween theme through their mic and it was proximity based. <laughs> and then everybody else didn't have weapons. And it no. was such a creative, scary thing where you had one player with an energy sword stalking the other. Dun, 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 and you could hear him getting closer. If you want to do a whole episode talking about Halo Halo 3 custom game modes, I've got some material for oh you. Oh my god. But to, to, to recenter it on Hunt, this, this game is fertile ground for all sorts of crazy shit you could do if you had custom lobbies. Like, I, I hate to use this term because it makes me feel like I've got my head up my own ass, but content creators they could make stuff with this. They could make all sorts of cool shit for other people to try out for their audiences. Um, you could have competitions. Heaven forbid, Mullet, we could have a genuine tournament instead of making weird, like like you've hosted those, the, the point tournaments where you assign points based on kills yep. and stuff. We could just say, hey, here's four teams of people. They are now going to compete against each other in this video game. In a bracket, a bracket tournament. Yeah, yeah, you could have actual competition instead of having to do these weird, jumping through all these hoops. I want to be able to compete against my friends in this game. I want to be able to do stuff with them more reliably, aside from just the typical, hey, let's queue up the three of us. Should we briefly explain the two game modes that do exist to maybe get this point across a little clearer? You know how <laughs> how bad the game mode situation is? I almost forgot what you were talking about when you said two. <laughs> when I said two. But, but, now, <laughs> but now I'm going to flip it and say there's three game modes in this, which you forgot. Oh? Yeah. You mean the trials? Yeah, the trials. Yeah. Do you want to get no. it? Do you want me to get it? <laughs> I Okay, I'll go first. Yeah, yeah, you, you get it. The main game mode, the main draw is Bounty Hunt. 12 players on a map, one to two AI bosses on it, and every team is trying to find that boss, kill it, banish it, it drops tokens, you get those tokens, and then you have to go to extraction. The whole time, other players are trying to kill you, and there's AI monsters on the map. It's a lot of fun. It's objective-based. It drives PvP, unless you're some asshole wearing camouflage sitting at the extract with a sniper rifle. <laughs> but hey, everybody can play how they want to play. That's this kind of game. Then there's Quick Play, where it's 12 Whoa, solo hold on, hold on. players. I want to get Quick Play. I want to get Quick Play, because... Oh, oh, bye. Listen, okay, you take it over. Listen, I want to say this is the one thing I can hang my hat on in this game. There was a summer where I grinded Quick Play almost every day, and I was on the top 100 leaderboard, global leaderboard for kills and quick play so but but jam what is quick play yeah, the qu audience so, doesn't know yet so quick play is when you are sick of having full lobbies and you want it to be you and like three other people on the map theoretically it can be up to 12 <laughs> people on a map um but you're all solo you spawn in naked as the day you were born now you you get like a gun or a random weapon and you basically play a King of the Hill variant of this game. I won't I won't bore you with the details. And if you've gotten this far into the game or into the podcast, you you already know what it is. But you, you play basically King of the Hill solo. And then whoever wins the match gets to keep their 
their hunter. And then Trials is um, a series of fun little single-player challenges that's PvE-focused. But, Mullet, would you think it's a fair estimate to say probably 98% of the time spent playing this game is Bounty Hunt? Yep, 98% of the time is definitely Bounty Hunt. There are a lot of other streamers uh, I've come across who play Hunt, and they're like, oh, I don't play Bounty Hunt. And I'm like, if you're trying to learn this game, you're trying to shake off that fear, that sweat of a bad open world battle royale shooter you need to play bounty hunt and just jump into the game you know with both feet um so i find a lot of people don't play uh quick play did i say you said bounty i think hunt i just confused earlier. myself yeah sorry what i meant to what i meant to say was 98 percent of people only play bounty hunt which is the main game mode but not enough people play quick play because i've asked newer players and streamers and they're like what's quick play i don't even know what that is i'm like it's at the top of your screen as an option what if we're talking about splitting the player base if we're worried about that if we're truly worried about splitting the player base, one, I would say, okay, quick play exists, and I don't hear anybody wishing for us to get rid of quick play. I've seen a few YouTube comments that say quick play ruined this game, but they're okay. full of it. Okay, well, that's like that's <laughs> probably one of them chimpanzees that they let just type anything, and then they just send any full <laughs> sentences they get through. Because quick play has never mattered in this game. As, as much as that pains me to say, there's never been a moment where, like, damn, we all gotta hop on quick play right now. Um, and then, like, the, the bounty hunt matches were empty. No, it's it's never dented the game in a serious fashion. So I would say either Quick Play's existence demonstrates that you don't have to worry about splitting the player base, or if you're really going to complain about it, get rid of Quick Play and put in something else. Put in the custom lobbies, put in Team Deathmatch, even though you said you don't necessarily agree with the team deathmatch bit. Does that sound reasonable to sacrifice quick play at the altar of more game modes? I, I would say don't sacrifice quick play because the only reason why you would do that is splitting the player base fear. But Crytek has the metrics. They can tell if quick play is a detriment or a boon to the game. If anything, I think the existence of quick play supports the argument that the gunplay is what draws people into this and keeps them from leaving and so we should have a game mode like team deathmatch or private lobbies or duo quick plays so people can just get in and get that fucking gun battle uh, adrenaline rush that they love so much because that's why i play quick play is quick fights and it's to help me unlock items when i prestige you know after hitting level 100 yeah. that's quick play for me You're talking about wanting to get into those fights that's why i want team deathmatch because as much as i love hunt showdown and i like the methodical nature of it i also like playing it and so i like to actually be able playing to the best it. parts of yeah, it yeah i like to be able to shoot people at the end of the, <laughs> at the end of the day the game that puts a gun in my hands i want to point the gun at people and shoot at them this sounds awful out of context but um <laughs> i do want like give me a team deathmatch mode that doesn't matter maybe make it only available during certain days of the week or something if you're really worried about splitting the player base but for God's sakes, I don't want to spend 10 minutes tracking people all the time. I want to just hop in and blast away. I know that removes some of the tension, but I feel like a lot of people would enjoy it. It would be a good way to hone your skills. When I first started playing this, one of the major hurdles I had to get over was, you mentioned earlier creeping around. Creeping around can be effective, but it doesn't train your aim it doesn't help you understand how the guns work and so it would be yep. a great proving ground for new players to just get that experience i i agree 1000 percent. oh gosh i had a thought in there and now it's okay oh 
So I think Hunt does a couple of things very, very well. We've already talked about how fucking amazing the gunplay is. And I think there is room for a Hunt showdown to have modes that support the gunplay. Team Deathmatch, Quick Play, the Quick and Dirty, right? Like, just take any compound off any map, give it a little invisible wall so no one can run away, and have a have a 4v4 first to 30 kills wins with oh respawns and everything. That's the dream. It, That's the right. dream. Right, it would be fucking amazing and you're gonna get first of all there is never a problem with introducing a video game to more people the community will work itself out so if they make that a third mode a fourth mode trials be damned and all of a sudden twenty thousand more people are playing the game that have never played it before that's gonna spread through word of mouth you're gonna get more people beyond that and then those people a fraction of them maybe will go to bounty hunt and be like oh hey this is something else that i'm kind of digging you know? To jump in here, to be evil for a second. Uh huh. To be evil. And this is me kind of pleading with Crytek. Oh, this idea is too good. Don't do it. If you want to be insidious, if you want to like meet the absolute worst person halfway, I'm going to make a proposal here. What if you said, yes, you can play team deathmatch? Yes, there's still permadeath and you have to bring in your own weapons. That's that's Crytek's way of still forcing you to eventually go back to Bounty Hunt. Do you think anyone would put up so, with that? So you're saying you would still have to earn your XP and money through game modes, but when you go into team deathmatch, say it's say it's 3v3v3, like a right. three-way battle yes. with nine players. You still have to gear up, go in, and as soon as you're dead, the only thing that's bringing you back is a teammate reviving you. So if your team gets wiped, it's just like Bounty Hunt. Hunter's dead, weapon's gone. And maybe even put, like, a cap on the value of your loadout just to keep things sane. Oh, dude, that's a great idea. Like, you could assign a point value to each item and weapon, and so Which this could be like a 3,000 point lobby, you know, with the money, right? Yeah, the silver, this the is dollars. This is a $1,000 lobby. Your loadout is capped at $1,000. You bring in whatever, and so that incentivizes, and $1,000 is quite a lot. Like, that's, that's quite a bit, but... Um, I suppose if you get to pick how much you invest in that hunter for that team deathmatch, you know, I think that gives it the flexibility. It still brings you back to the core gameplay of Bounty Hunt. Yeah, I think Crytek should hire us. <laughs> I would uh, I would love to be an idea man. Um, <laughs> can I tell you something that might break your heart a little bit? I feel like you've never asked permission hunt related. before. Hunt, hunt related. Oh, okay. oh you know, yeah, not, yeah, sure, not, go for it. Yeah, okay, cool. So I was watching a partnered Crytek streamer. And they were playing with a developer, as some of them do from time to time. And the topic of private lobbies came up in this person's chat. Did they execute him on the spot? (laughs) No, this may be close to a year ago now. And they're one of the most watched Crytek partner streamers. We're talking 1,000 people, average viewers here. Okay. And, And I think the streamer mentioned that their chat was talking about that and the developer said something along the lines i'm paraphrasing here but the developer said we don't think anyone would use private lobbies and then they thought about it and then they said well maybe your community because you're a streamer and that was like that was the depth of the conversation and i just like i wanted to grab my monitor and be like no no put it to a poll come on man you're telling me that, that you're telling me that no one outside of discord streamer hunt communities has asked or thought about private lobbies there's no fucking way that's that's like, insane that's actually insane <laughs> right they're like oh yeah we don't think anybody would use it sure 
<laughs> sure, man. Or for all we know, from the higher ups, they're like, you do not comment on this do topic. Not. And so, th- and <laughs> so the guy had to be like, yeah, I just don't think anybody would. You know, it was just, it was just his get out of the get out of the jail answer. That's like looking at a tub of ice cream and being like, yeah, no one's gonna eat that. That's <laughs> like that's ridiculous. Come on now. People are at least gonna eat some off the top. You know, maybe not what's on the bottom of the tub, but they'll get some of it. That you know is I mean? heartbreaking, though, because you're right. It's, <laughs> it's either right. it's either such a disconnect with what human beings would want or that dude was under or or whoever whoever it's, this it's was. like dude have uh, you played goldeneye or you, halo have you played a or game time splitters have, have you, you played a multiplayer game have before you played today a game with people you've you've enjoyed the company of yes people want to play games together yeah that is heartbreaking and i think i think we've had enough heartbreak that's hunt showdown related yes uh, i know you're you're a big horror guy also um, on oh, top yeah. of being a, a crack shot in first-person shooter games. So uh, this one's for all the mullet fans out there, this portion of this. I wanted to ask you, um, Resident Evil or Silent Hill, you can guarantee that one gets a quality sequel, entirely new content next year, so not a remake, an actual new installment that is guaranteed to be good by whichever metrics you define that by. But this means that the other series is finished completely permanently which one do you choose silent hill silent hill you you pick new silent hill and end resident evil forever when you say end resident evil forever i assume that means all currently released resident evil games are still available to play yes. there just will never be a new one there will never be a new one yeah i think uh, to me this answer is obvious and stop me if I word vomit, because I'm about to word vomit. Oh, vomit away. So Resident Evil has been around a little bit longer than Silent Hill, and there are more games in that franchise than I can count. I haven't even played all of them, and for the record, I started with Resident Evil 2 in 1999 when I was 7. I've been playing these games forever, and I love them. They're very near and dear to my heart. I don't think I have been made fun of more than for liking Resident Evil throughout my life <laughs> because some people despise those games and I get it. That's a good metric for, for how much you love something, how much you've been made fun of for enjoying it. And I it. still buy it and play it and talk about it. But it's been almost 30 years. I mean, Resident Evil 1 was 1996. We're three years out from the 30-year anniversary and that series has run its course. For anyone who doesn't know, they are on their fourth remake of the main franchise, which means they're mostly out of ideas. The Resident Evil games have done laboratories and monsters and self-destruct sequences and superhero cop action characters so many times they don't have ideas anymore. I, I mean, I like that you said laboratory like Dexter would. Yeah, right, I continue. know. People call me out on that. <laughs> um, but I mean, for God's sake, man, like there's four different Resident Evil games that take place on a cruise ship. There's like five different mansions and castles throughout the series. They clearly don't have new ideas. Damn. So I think I think Dude. we've had. <laughs> Dude. I think, and, and I love Resident Evil, but like Resident Evil 4 has a castle. Resident Evil 4 Remake has a castle. Resident Evil 8 has a castle. Resident Evil Code Veronica kind of has a castle. You know what I mean? Like they've run, they're, they're wheel spinning. He hates Which is castles. why they're remaking. I love castles, but you know, them. give me a new castle puzzle box to solve. So. It sounds like they've been giving you new castles. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I guess. But you know what I mean. I've been there, done that. I think Resident Evil has run its course. And I'm always down for a brand new Resident Evil 9 with new ideas. 7 and 8 were great. Let's jump over to Silent Hill. Silent Hill is not limited to the scientific horror universe. 
right? Silent Hill breaks the rules of reality. There's dream worlds and being in purgatory. There's monsters that represent the inner turmoils of a character. Things don't make sense, but there are themes, and there's more you can explore in that universe. And there's also just been a whole lot less repetition in that universe. They don't reuse main characters. They don't reuse locations. I mean, they've reused one location between two games, I guess. But still, they're leagues ahead of Resident Evil in terms of exhausting what they've done. And I think there's still so much more ripe fruit to be found there. And Konami clearly agrees because they saw Capcom's Redemption art making all this new great Resident Evil content. And Konami was like, fuck it, hold my beer. We can't let you be the only AAA horror franchise anymore. And they said, hey, we're remaking Silent Hill 2. We've got three other new Silent Hill projects in the works. We have a new Silent Hill movie in the works. And I'm like, okay, they're, they're throwing all their eggs in this basket right because normally i would think a company would want to make one new game in the franchise and kind of feel it out and they're like nope everyone's gonna eat up five fucking projects and i'm excited because at least one of those has to land right right yeah i mean yeah i okay i'm gonna be real with you going off going off of your name going off of your name you know, Mullet West. Named after a Resident yeah, Evil game. Yeah, yeah. I was kind of anticipating you to really hem and haw over this one. Because I, I have seen you um, talk at length about Silent Hill before and how much you enjoy it. But I really thought mm-hmm. it would not be as definitive as that. Where you're just like, yep, throw Resident Evil in the volcano to, um, to, to yep. breathe life into Silent Hill. You mentioned remakes, and this is something that I'm I'm going to ask you earnestly, not as a setup podcast question, but from somebody who has has discussed horror games with you in the past, and so I want some some honest feedback here. And if you lie, I can tell, so you you better not. Okay, hit me. Would you say the Dead Space remake was better than the than Callisto Protocol because I did not play Callisto Protocol and I've I've noticed this kind of renaissance of third person sci-fi space setting horror and I was really really excited about Callisto Protocol <laughs> and the Dead Space remake but I wanted your thoughts on it I I've avoided spoilers for Callisto but honestly if you have to share some story elements to to give me a good picture um I you you let it rip okay so the question was was the Dead Space remake better than the Callisto Protocol yes okay you're probably looking for a yes or no answer and I'm gonna be the guy that says listen, you can't really compare them listen yes or no answers are not gonna pad out this podcast so okay you get good. as granular uh, I'll, I'll, as you I'll need tell to you make. this <laughs> I think the Dead Space remake was the better experience out of the two of them but i know callista protocol got a lot of hate when it came out and rightfully so the pc port was trash for like three days until they had a bunch of hot fixes and the gameplay was not what people were expecting i think what they got fucking wrong is even stating hey we have x dead space developers working on this game and when you combine that announcement with sci-fi third person over the shoulder horror game everyone automatically assumed this game was going to be a dead space 4 And it's not that. The game does a couple of new things I like. It has an interesting melee system. It's, you know how, like, you ever played Breath of the Wild? No. No. You really haven't? I, okay. 
So, wow. Just we're, yes or no, we're, and I'll get back to Callisto. Well, hold on. I, I do have to address this. <laughs> this is the first episode of this podcast, so I'm just going to get this out of the way now. I've never played a Legend of Zelda game in my life. You need to work on that on stream. All right. Because right, it will do you wonders. Let's get back on the Callisto protocol. So, so I bring this up because in the breath <laughs> in Breath of the Wild, there are a ton of ways to deal with bad guys, from telekinesis to slowing down time, bombs and arrows, I right? I have seen and that. When and you, when you mix all those different methods of attack and mechanics on top of each other, you can create really unique scenarios. Going back to Callisto Protocol, there's guns, there's melee, and there's kinesis. And once you get all three of those, and you're kind of throwing this guy in the wall, and then blowing up that box, and then melee attacking this guy, the game really starts to unfold and feel good. And if you play Dead Space, if you play any of them, it's very similar. You've got to lay this landmine down and put a tripwire there and then pick up the spiked arm off that corpse and shove it at that guy. And, you know, once the gameplay mechanics start to lay on top of each other like a sandwich, the game takes off. And I think Callisto Protocol did that very well, and it feels different from Dead Space, even though if you were to look at screenshots, you might go, same game. Okay. So... The, the Callisto Protocol is absolutely worth playing. I don't think it's worth $70 because Ooh. at its core, it's it's a 10-hour linear game with a little bit of sidetracking, and that's it. That's it. There's no bonus game modes. There's no secret ending. You know, there's like three secret rooms to find in the whole game. So was the Dead Space remake a better experience? Yes. But Callisto Protocol is worth your time when it's at a price point you're comfortable spending. That's my answer. That is a... Phenomenal answer. That is way more than I was expecting out of that. Thank you. We we are running up on the end of this match, so I figured I would give you one last heartbreaking question, since that seems to be the theme of uh, today's episode. This is one that Let's I do it, gave man. You... My life is full of heartbreak. <laughs> um, this is one that I did give you ahead of time. What would you consider the biggest gaming disappointment of 2022? 2022? Yes, the previous year. Well, we played. Uh, my first thought, and I'm not saying this is the biggest disappointment but i'm thinking what games came out in 2022 elden ring god of war ragnarok callisto protocol help me out what else what else came out um gosh i don't know man i mean stray came out but i didn't play it was it just a good year for gaming i think it was a good year for gaming uh i'll, I'll tell you what i'll tell you what i was most disappointed with okay and i'm kind of disappointed i saw it coming i bought god of war ragnarok brand new 70 dollars game and i refused to finish it what um, what do you mean which i rarely do with games so i don't know how much you want to get into this but to make a long story short i'm sure you saw the twitter uh the tweets and the videos of the npc telling you what to do in the game right and how and how much hand holding that game gives you and i was playing through the game and i had stopped took a break went to twitter and i saw a streamer make a clip about a crane puzzle where the npc immediately gives you the solution and i'm like oh that's funny i just did that part and i didn't notice any back seating by the npcs until that puzzle and then all of a sudden i saw it everywhere oh. the npcs are telling you the enemies are behind you and it's the same voice line like to give you to give you another example there is a boss battle with a gigantic creature with a chain around its neck and it throws the chain at you and it gets stuck in the ground and my first inkling as a God of War fan was, I'm Kratos, I'm going to go up to that chain, I'm going to grab it. I sprint to the chain, right? And Atreus, your son, says, Dad, throw your axe at the chain and freeze it. And I'm like, <laughs> I, almost, I almost looked, I almost, yeah, literally, I looked <laughs> over to my right as though Atreus were there. And I wanted to say, boy, shut the fuck up. I haven't even failed yet. Like, this is the first time the boss has done that attack. I haven't even tried and failed and the character is already telling me how to proceed 
And it's like that everywhere. I went to a small room while backtracking to finish side quests, killed all the enemies in it, and there's a couple of items on the ground. I'm, I'm vacuuming up the items, and Atreus <laughs> is like, hey, we gotta go this way. And I'm like, what do you mean we gotta go this way? I haven't even opened the chest in this room yet. And it just infuriated me. And I'm like, I'm not finishing this game. It's not fun to solve the puzzles when the game doesn't even let you fail. And I don't really like the combat anyway because of the locked camera behind you. But that's a whole other can of worms. Right. So that was my biggest disappointment of 2022 video game-wise. Uh, mine was when uh, Legendary Pokemon ran away from me in Pokemon Go. But um, anyway, uh, we have five minutes to get... Oh, jeez, okay. Um, we have five minutes to get out of this, this match. Um, Mullet, uh, before we go, do you have any things you want to shout out? Uh, where can we find you on the internet? You, uh, you can find me on the internet at twitch.tv forward slash mulletwesker, all one word. I stream currently a lot of Escape from Tarkov, playing a lot of Hitman 3. You'll find me playing horror games, from software games. I play a lot of stuff, but that's, that's the bucket right now. And, uh, I'm also on TikTok and Twitter. Oh. Also under Mullet Wesker. One last thing. Can can I get you to say NPC you later? And you have to say it like that too. You have to say it like that. NPC you later. <laughs> Terrible. Thank you, Mullet.